Well, hello, church. It's Pastor Carter here, and what a beautiful day it is to worship the Lord. I hope that you guys have your Bibles handy because we are going to be putting them to work. Get comfortable, relax, grab some coffee or whatever you need to wake up, and we're going to be diving in depth. We're going to take yesterday's sermon, yesterday's scripture, and we're going to break it down a little bit more in depth. This is yesterday's sermon today. Well, good morning, church. It's Pastor Carter here on a Sunday morning. And boy, was it a good Sunday morning. I tell you, there's nothing like walking into a church full of believers on a Sunday morning that'll pick you up, that'll inspire you to do better, and you can leave re-energized, ready to take on a week. You know, there's nothing like it. You know, when you walk into a room full of your brothers and sisters in Christ, these are people who genuinely care for you. They love God, but they also love you. And they want to help you do the best that you can to be the best person you can be. They inspire you. And a church that inspires one another, that helps and cares for each other, is a church that I want to be a part of. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So uh, what a blessing it is for that. If you guys have not made it to church today, if you didn't make it to church the last couple of Sundays, I'm going to challenge you to go to a church sometime. Step into a building. It's an experience you won't regret. There's a sense of community that provides strength and stability in your life. And and there's nothing like it. So anyways, there's my rant for a little bit. But today we're going to be talking about opening up scripture. And really, it's like going to church every day throughout the week without meeting in a building with a community of believers. When we open up God's word, and we don't just read to read it for knowledge, for intelligence, but we read to understand it, where it affects our hearts and our minds, and it changes the way that we live our lives. When we read it with a sense of openness and vulnerability, where God can speak to us and put down things that we aren't expecting him to say, when we give him that opportunity, he's going to change so much for you. And here in the book of James, it talks about that. So the last couple of weeks, we have been in the book of 1 Kings, and we've been talking about the wisdom that God gave King Solomon. And it was a gift from God, from heaven to King Solomon, so he could lead his people effectively, so he could be the best king that he could. You know, being a king requires so many things that you have to do, so many responsibilities. And Solomon he knew that he couldn't do it alone, and that he needed wisdom that was way outside of his realm that he had for uh, control over. So he asked for wisdom, and God gave it to him. Through God's gift, that gift of wisdom, Solomon was able to do so many great things. He did incredible things. He built a different kingdom, an, um, an empire. His economy was roaring. His battles over his enemies were strategically sound. I mean, he did everything right by the book and he was truly blessed and God's people were led to prosperity through following and staying in, in line with God's word here. And James here, that's where we're at today. If you have your Bibles and you want to go grab them, we're going to open up to James here. He's, he's really talking about a nugget of wisdom that he's going to give us as Christians. That way we can have the wisdom it takes to apply it into our everyday lives. When we use God's word that we just read and it changes us and we apply it into our lives, James goes on to say that we can do many incredible things here. So, if you guys got your Bibles open, James chapter 1, we're going to be talking about James 1, verses 17 through 25 here today. And the Bible I have here is a New International Version, so hopefully it sounds familiar to whatever translation you are reading as well. Uh, but before we do, let us say a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, what a blessing it is that you have given us this day. You truly are a God of blessings and a God of opportunities. God, we ask that as we dive into your word today, that it might come to life. Breathe into it and breathe into us a new sense of understanding. 
Help us know you and know ourselves better that when we leave this place today, we can be more than just hearers of the word, but doers of the word as well. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. If you heard that, that's my hat getting back on my head. Oh, I still take it off even when no one's watching. All righty. We're on the book of James here. And this whole passage, it's only a couple of verses, but I'll tell you right now that I have almost all of this underlined or highlighted or or in some way, shape, or another, there's notes next to every single verse because it's important. There's a whole lot of stuff here. And even though it's not long, it's extremely uh, potent. <laughs> like There's a lot of information in here that we can take and put in our hearts and put in our minds, and it does change the way we live. All righty. So uh, I suppose it's, it's nice to get into a little background information about who James is. And this entire book of James isn't pretty long. It's written by James. His real name is Jacob. Jacob. I know it's kind of silly back then, but back in the early church, there's so many Jacobs around in the early church. It's a popular name, like a, a John Smith nowadays. We see so many of them that, that in order for people to recognize what Jacob you're talking about, they called him James the Just. James the Just. So that's how they knew who he was, that particular Jacob. We're still going to call him James here just because that's what we are familiar with here. But he's also the half-brother of Jesus. He was a second in line there. In fact, we see him dropped, name dropped all over the place there. And in order, it seemed that he was the younger brother of Jesus. So Mary and Joseph had another son. They had a couple other sons. And, and uh, here, James is one of them. What makes that important to us is that we get to know that James grew up watching Jesus at a very young age. You know, there's a lot of undocumented things that James got to witness, how Jesus acted, how he treated people, things he would say that never got to the Bible here. And we get to see James and how he teaches as well. And I think it's important uh, to note anyways, is that this passage here from James is coming from a perspective of a man who has lived with Christ. So I think there might be some weight to this entire book of the Bible here. Now, a whole lot of people don't love the book of James. You know, it's not a great book for a lot of people. And actually, James gets scrutinized. It's one of the most scrutinized books in the Bible. Uh, just because he has a different perspective than Paul, everything about him is really a little bit different than Paul. And Paul writes so much of the New Testament here, uh, with all the epistles especially. Uh, but Paul writes in a way that's so loving and nurturing. And he opens up his letters when he's talking to the early church with, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I am offering you good favor. I wish nothing but the best in your ministry. I've served with you. I've loved with you. We've done great things. You know, Paul sounds like a very loving guy. James isn't that, that guy at all. He doesn't give those vibes at all, where he's more of an authoritative voice. He speaks with authority. He's a very blunt guy who just tells you how it is. And me in particular, I'm a stubborn guy. You know, it's hard for me to pick on key pick up on cues sometimes that are unsaid. You know, sometimes someone will say something that implies something, but it doesn't directly say it. So I'll miss that cue. Maybe you guys are that same way, you know. Uh, sometimes if my wife is saying something and she really means another thing, I don't pick up on that because my brain is just taking it literally. Well, if, if that's the same way that you think as well, where you just need someone to tell you how it is, James is going to be the book for you. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. He directly tells you, this is how we can be the church. This is what you can do. And this is how we can be the church in our communities today. All right. So it's like a how-to book, but it's a very blunt book from James's perspective. We talked about the, the way that Paul opens up his letters normally are uh, long and sincere uh, James just says here in verse 1, you can read it yourself, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. So he says, to the 12 tribes, greetings. 
<laughs> that's it. If you have your Bibles open, he doesn't say anything else. He doesn't talk to a specific group of people. He doesn't mention the experiences that he's had with them. He doesn't say any of that. He just says, greetings. Hey. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so James, uh, he was a half-brother of Jesus, younger brother. He got to see Jesus grow up. Uh, when all the people were dispersed and all the other people were starting the church in early different places, you know, the, the early disciples, James stayed back in Jerusalem. And there were so many people that stayed back in Jerusalem as well. James led the church right there in Jerusalem. So he's leading one of the biggest early churches around. He's got one of the most responsibilities from all the disciples. And he's starting a church that really had no experience being the church. So he's in a very important role. And we can see his endorsements through here. So we're going to do a couple page flips with me. I hope you're with me as well. Uh, I got my Bible here. I'm flipping to the book of Galatians here. It's Galatians chapter 4. Doo, doo, doo. And here in Galatians, oh, it's uh, Galatians chapter 2, my bad. We get to see Paul give his recommendation about James. So it's James chapter 2, verse 9, if you want to write that down or underline it. It says, James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed pillars, gave me Barnabas, the right hand of fellowship. That's where I'm going to cut it off right there. So it says, James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed pillars, those guys are important. They're valuable to the ministry. I'm giving you my word that those guys are going to lead you in the right direction. They're strong in their community. James was a pillar in the early church, according to Paul anyways. And if we flip back to Acts chapter 21, verse 18 here, I know it's another page flip. I apologize. I have an advantage because I have my Bible marked. You're probably just flipping around. <laughs> Uh, it says here in uh, Acts chapter 21, it says, The next day Paul and the rest of us went to see James and the elders that were present. So at the end of Paul's ministry, when he's going around to different places, he's preaching to different groups of Christians, and he's going to the early churches, one of the last places that he ever goes to is James Church in Jerusalem. And when he's at James's church, James actually gives him some advice. So he doesn't just come and worship with James, but James actually helps Paul out to tell us a little bit of perspective about who James is. Uh, I thought that was interesting. So anyways, that's, I nerded out today in retreat. I spent way too much time talking about who James was because I, I think it's fascinating. I think he's got a voice that carries and, and I never actually got to the message. But today, <laughs> I'm going to speed it up here a little bit. Let's get rolling here. So we know who James is. He's important. His, his voice carries. He matters in the early church. He's a big figure. So this is him. And I hope you have your pens and pencils ready because there's a lot of stuff here. This whole first verse 17, go ahead and underline it or highlight it. It's great. Before he starts on anything else, when he's talking to us, he tells us about who God is. He says here in 17, every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So that's verse 17 there. Every good and perfect gift is from above. He goes us to tell on the nature of God. He informs us about who God is, the God that we serve, that we have a good, good God. He is a God that is good. And every good thing that happens in our life, the blessings that we experience, the opportunities that present themselves, the doors that open up, when we wake up and we see the sunshine in the morning, we know it's because we have a God who is so good and he wants what is good for us as well. It leaks into our life. So when we see good things happen, it's because we have a good God, he goes to say right off the bat. We serve a good, good God. And here in the book of John, I know we're doing another page flip here, if it's interesting to you. Here, here in the book of John, he says the same thing. This is John the Baptist speaking. John replied, a person can only receive what is given to them from heaven. A person can only get what God gives them. 
So going back to James here, every good gift comes from above. It comes from heaven. God provides. He'll always provide. And you'll never be counted out. Even when things aren't going your way, good things are still in store because we serve a very good God. So hang in there. Trust that good things are coming. But I like how he ends that first verse. He says, who does not change like shifting shadows. The God that we serve does not change. He does not quiver. He does not shake. But instead, he's the same God that we always have served. So the God that we served yesterday is the God that we serve today. And that's the God we'll serve tomorrow. He loved us yesterday. He loves us today. He'll love us tomorrow. The God that equipped us yesterday to get through the things we needed, he's going to equip us today to get through all the things in front of us, and he will equip us forever. The God who forgave us yesterday, he'll forgive us today, he'll forgive us forever. You know, do I need to keep going or do I think we got it all down here? There's a pattern. Our God does not change. And in a world where everything is shifting and everything's changing all the time and nothing is certain, we as Christians get to know for a fact that our God is always the same. He never changes and he's going to love you the same. And if you've got kids or grandkids, how awesome is it to know that the same God who's taking care of you is going to be there to take care of them as well? Doesn't that give you a little bit of comfort? So James wants to let us know a little bit about who God is in that first verse. And it says he goes to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be kind first fruits of all he created. He chose to give us a birth through the word of truth. When we read scripture, When we came in contact with it and we became a Christian through his word, knowing not only that the God we serve up in heaven loves us, but that his word is true and planted something in our hearts, we had a new birth. We became Christians at that moment. That's what it says. Our old way of life was done and a new one had started. We're not the same person anymore. God speaks a breath of life when we read the scripture. He does. The Holy Spirit is actively at work when we're studying our Bibles and we're getting our nose in the, the pages here. And it says when it comes to life through that word of truth, we have a new birth. You know, that birth didn't just happen once. That birth happens every time that we read the scripture. We get new life. When we read scripture, not to read it to read, but to read to understand, it brings a new life and a new perspective to us. So, and and here in the book of Ephesians here, I actually have this mark too. I know we're doing a ton of Bible flipping today and there'll be a couple more, but not too much. This is one I want you to underline and highlight. Ephesians 22, 4.22. All right, so I've got my Bible open, Ephesians 4.22. Uh, Both of these verses are incredibly important. They're memory verses. Get them in your brain. It says, You were taught in regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires. Here it says in in, uh, Ephesians, good Lord. (laughs) Paul is saying that to take off your old way of living. When we become a Christian and we're born again, we take off our old self, all the things that need to be changed and corrected, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. And to put on the new self created like God and true righteousness and holy self. So when we take off our old self, our old way of living, and we put on our new self, we are made new. We are born new. And that's what James is saying here. So now we get into the fun stuff here. James chapter 1 verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I want you to underline that verse and highlight it and circle it. Whatever you need to do to get that one in your head, that's one of the most important verses you'll ever read in James. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Now, isn't that the truth? 
That's so much easier said than done because oftentimes when we do that, we do it the complete opposite way. We get angry and then we're fast to speak and we don't listen at all. We do it in opposite ways here. But but James is saying that we as Christians, if we want to be peacemakers, if we want to find a way to, to come together instead of letting conflict tear us apart, if we want to be the church in effective and passionate ways, then this is how you do it. You're quick to listen, you're slow to speak, and you're slow to become angry. You know that that Greek philosopher there, Zenus, that he said that we have two ears and we're given one mouth. So that's why we could do twice the amount of listening <laughs> and half the amount of speaking that we do. Amen? Oh, amen. Good gracious. That's something I need to keep to myself as well because oftentimes when we are caught in the heat of the moment and things are getting more tense and they're picking back up and, and things start to really escalate when we are in emotions, we speak out of emotion. And when we speak out of emotion, oftentimes those words aren't going to be words of life, words that benefit our relationship, words that mend things and put things back together, but instead they are destructive and they're cynical. So when we are quick to listen and slow to speak, we limit the destruction that we can cause with our tongues. So here in verse 20, it says, because human anger does not produce righteousness that God desires. When we're angry and we're frustrated, we're upset. We got all these emotions going through our head and we let them go off of our tongue. We can't produce God's righteousness. He can't work through our own sins. You know, he can't do good things through our nasty words here. So human anger is something that is something we don't control. You know, you need you can control your tongue, you can control your reactions, but when you're angry and you let that tongue go, that the words that come off are not controlled by, by God's righteousness, they're controlled by that moment of anger, and they don't produce righteousness. All right, so keep those words to yourself. You know, you can never get words back that you say. In an argument, in the heat of the moment, you can do so much damage, and you'll never get them back. You know, there's a story of uh, <laughs> a young boy. Uh, every time that he would un unleash anger, he had anger issues, and, and say something nasty, his dad told him to go put a nail on the fence out in his yard. So he went out and he put a nail here and there. He'd put a nail, a couple nails a day. And after a while, the whole fence was covered in nails. Pretty soon, uh, instead of getting angry anymore, he'd just walk out and put a nail on instead of saying those nasty words. There came a point where he wasn't saying anything nasty at all. Instead, his father said, whenever you can control your tongue, but yet say good things about it, and respond with kindness, go and pull a nail out. So the little boy, he went out to the fence and he would pull a nail out. Instead of saying nasty words, he pulled a nail out. After a while, all the nails finally got pulled out and he brought his father out and said, look, dad, there's no more nails here. The dad said, yes, that's true. But, but if you look at the wood, it's never going to be the same. When you make an imprint with a nail, that wood's no longer the same. There's a dent. There's a hole. That same way, when we put words out there and we say something harmful, something destructive, there's going to be a hole that's created that we can't fix. You know, you got to be aware of that. Words can't be taken back. They are powerful and our tongue is a weapon. Just be careful of the words that you say. And when you're angry, especially control that tongue. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. All right, so 21 goes on a little bit. It says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Humbly accept the word, the truth that is here in the scripture. So get rid of everything that needs to be changed, things that aren't supposed to be in your mind, things that are in your life right now that you're allowing to stay there. And humbly accept what God is calling you to be. The word, the love, the truth that we find here in scripture. Amen?
Amen. So I got a book here or a verse here in Proverbs. This might be the last verse I'd flip to here if that's all right. Yeah, I promise I'm going to stop giving your fingers a workout here. Uh, we're going to be in Proverbs uh, in this particular one. It's chapter 10, verse 19. And I've got this one highlighted as well. It says, sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. When we're upset and we're in the heat of the moment and we let our tongues go wild, we don't justify ourselves by saying more words. We can't come up with excuses that justify what we have just said. And we'll never be able to. Hold your tongue. Don't talk your way out of it. You know, just keep that in the, the back of your mind here. So that's a good one to have in your, uh, in your Bibles that are marked too. And here's verse 22, James. We're moving forward here, back to the book of James. Uh, this will be the last one before you take a little bit of break. I'm talking quite a bit today. Uh, this one, highlight it, underline it as well, because this is exactly what we as Christians are called to do. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. When we as Christians come in contact with the word and we dive into scripture and we become knowledgeable and we let it penetrate into our hearts and our minds, it changes the way that we live. And when we do what it says, we will be blessed. We're not called to be just hearers of the word. People who come to church and hear the word and leave unchanged. People who don't turn on stones that need to be turned. You know, things in our life that we allow to hang around that we will not address. God is saying that when we read scripture, we give them all of our ourselves, we become vulnerable with him so that way we can see what needs to be changed and do what it says. We can live actively what this scripture says. There's three steps here and I want you to go and I'll circle the words with you if you want. I've already got mine circled. In verse 19, it says, be quick to listen. That's step one, quick to listen, quick to hear, depending on your translation. Verse 21, it says, accept, humbly accept the word. So we're quick to hear then we humbly accept the word. So we hear the word, we accept it as truth, more than just sentences. We accept it as the foundation of our life, as Christians, as our core values, when we accept them. And then the third step in verse 22, it says, do what it says. Hear it, accept it, do what it says. If we want to be the church in a very potent way, where we are contagious in our faith, we are making other disciples, we are being the church here in 2021, we are being the church when we live out the word. We are more than hearers, we are doers. So I am going <laughs> to let you think on that for a little bit. And we're going to pick up the second part of the scripture here. There's a whole lot left. Uh, I hope you're staying with me so far. I'm sorry for talking so much today, but but boy, was this a good passage out of James. So here's a little bit of music to calm your nerves, get back into the scripture, and we're going to pick right back up. God bless you, and I'll see you in a couple of seconds. Anytime a heart turns from darkness to light Anytime temptation comes and someone stands to fight Anytime somebody lives to serve and not be served I know, I know, I know, I know God is on the Choices made to stand upon the word 
there's a searching soul And someone says, send me here I go I know, I know, I know, I know And we are back. I appreciate all you guys who are still there with me right now. I know that we are doing a lot of Bible reading today. We're jumping back and forth through different books. We're dissecting different verses and see how they relate. And, and I appreciate you that you're taking in so much of this today and you're still around. So uh, before we wrap up this passage here in the book of James, uh, there's only two more verses left. I want you to take that Bible that you have right in front of you and flip all the way back to 1 Samuel. The book of 1 Samuel chapter 3. Uh, it's at the very beginning of the Bible, basically. So you're flipping quite a ways. But this passage here, and I'm only going to read eight verses, actually ten verses, I guess. Uh, it's a story that goes hand in hand with the, the scripture that we're reading in James. James is talking about the importance of us being good listeners. Letting God do the talking when we read scripture so that he can change what needs to be changed and address what needs attention. In that very same passage, here in 1 Samuel chapter 3, we're going to see a little boy named Samuel react before he actually processes what goes on. So here in 1 Samuel chapter 3, there's a, a young boy, Samuel, his father, Eli, and then God. Those are the only three characters we see. So I'm just going to read it like a story. Relax, get comfortable, and let this sink in. The boy Samuel, he ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not gone out and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called to Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. Then he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me? But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and he lay back down. Again, the Lord came to Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel got up and he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me? My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not know yet what the Lord was calling. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and ran to Eli and said, Here I am. So he'd done this three separate times. He said, You called? <laughs> Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, he tells his son this. He says, go lie back down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel, he went and laid back down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. 
Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. You know, that's not just words that Samuel should have said once, words that should have only been uttered once, way many, many years ago. But yet, guys, I want you to underline that verse, highlight that verse, because that's something we should say in prayer every time we open scripture. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I'm not coming into this passage that I'm about to read in front of me. I'm not reading scripture with presumptions that are already in my head. You know, maybe you guys have done that before. We know what the scripture says, so it can't say anything new to us. We come with the points that we already know happened. You know, I I am familiar with this. This might be how God is trying to use this particular passage. You know, we force our own agenda on an open scripture. And when we do that, we're not allowing God to speak to us. We're not allowing the Holy Spirit to breathe a new and fresh life through the scripture and speak to us in a new and different way that we can apply it into our lives. And sometimes we do exactly what Samuel says. We are quick to react and we're slow to listen. Samuel, before processing who was calling to him, before listening to God fully finish his sentence, because he said, Samuel, Samuel, and before he could finish, Samuel ran over to his dad. But had Samuel stood there and listened and let God talk to him, he would have found out pretty early on it was the Lord. (laughs) Don't react. You know, don't force your own agenda. Don't push your own narrative when reading scripture, but instead say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Come with a humble, open heart that's receptive and willing to listen to anything because God will put brand new thoughts and ideas that you've never thought of before, even though it's the same scripture. Amen? Amen. All right, so we're going to finish up this passage here in the book of James, and we are almost done with it. So this is where we're picking up. It says, we, we figured out the three steps that James has tried to tell us to do. He said, hear the word of God, you know, come in contact with your Bible, open up the word. Then he says, accept the word for what it is, more than sentences, that it is valuable. It offers us things that we desperately need to make our lives better. And then he says, do those words. <laughs> Go out and be the church, be disciples in the way that we are reading about. Put it to work, be doers of the word. <laughs> All right, so we're picking up right after this. And this is an illustration that he gives to us. It's a picture that he paints and it's simple and it's easy, but it's very, very applicable. So James is about to tell us about a bad Bible reader here. He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. (laughs) And while that sounds like a very simple, easy thing to grasp, if you walk and look up at a mirror and it's right in front of you and you notice that you have a mark on your head that needs to be cleaned up, like you're dirty, but then you look at yourself, you see how dirty that you are and you just walk away and you don't change yourself, you don't clean yourself up. That's exactly what we do when we close the Bible and we didn't gain anything. Now, this happens to me all the time. I'm going to admit that it still happens to me and maybe it happens to you. So, you know, I'm not perfect. There'll be days when I'm reading scripture and I just got done reading a passage and I close my Bible and I can't remember what I just read. It didn't stick with me. It didn't resonate with me. And there's no way I can apply it if I don't even remember what I just read. And that same way when we read the Bible, we are looking at a mirror. We are looking at a mirror because when we read scripture, it's like holding up a flashlight on all the areas of our life that need to be changed, that need to be attended to, that need attention. You know, we look at the Bible that gives us so many examples on how we should live, things that we should be doing, but it also tells us things that we shouldn't be doing, things that shouldn't be sticking around in our lives, things that are sinful and harmful for us to keep around. And if we read scripture and we see things that apply to us and we shine the flashlight on areas that need attention, but yet we close our Bible and we change nothing, 
We are like a man who forgets what he looks like. We forget that we're dirty. We don't change for the better. We are not doers of the word. We're just hearers at that point. It didn't change anything. It didn't resonate with us. And that same way, reading the Bible is really like looking at a mirror. And it, it is so powerful. I love this illustration. Because when we read about all these godly men and women that God uses to do incredible things throughout the scripture, and when we read about the ministry of Jesus, it really does paint a clear picture about who God is. But it also tells us a little bit about who we are. So we're going to pick up here in verse 25. I want you to highlight this verse right off the bat because this one's important. This one's colorful. It says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to use it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. They'll be blessed in what they do. That whole verse is so powerful. He who reads scripture, you look at this perfect law, the law that God has given us. We have this Bible as a tool so that way we can model our lives after Christ and live like God wants us to live. And we don't forget about it, but we do it when we do those actions and we take actions for the church and we take actions for God and let our faith go to work. We will be blessed in what we do. The things that we do are godly inspired and God will use those actions for his kingdom. God's kingdom will come. I'm going to flip here to the book of John, chapter 13. This is my very last page flip for the day. I promise, last one, that was our last verse. John 13, 17, underline it. Jesus washes his, he washes his, <laughs> he washes his disciples' feet. And he goes and it shows the humility that he has. Jesus of all people, he should be the one having his feet washed. But he says, no, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to serve others. I don't want to uplift you. So he washes his feet. This, this is the very last thing that he says here in this passage. Uh, 13, 17. It's red letters. It's important. They're from Jesus' mouth. So it says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now that you know them, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus is saying the same thing that James was saying. We will be blessed if we do what the scripture says. Guys, we as Christians have an opportunity, especially in the year 2021, to make a positive impact wherever we go. In our workplaces, in our families, in our homes, wherever we go, when we go with the Lord. When we go bringing scripture to life and living it out. Because God will use things and circumstances that we go through to benefit his kingdom. God will use us as his tool, his hands and feet when we are doers of the word. You know, the disciples back in those times, they didn't just come up to Jesus and say, hey, you are awesome. God, we love you so much. And then just leave. You know, that's kind of like a concert. You go and you praise the singers. You say, "Woo, this is a great concert. This is a great song. You know, they could have said, Jesus, you are a, a good teacher. You're a good preacher. You're a great miracle worker. And that didn't do anything for him. No, the disciples, they acted on the teachings that Jesus gave them. They went back to their homes, back to their communities, and they lived out the teachings that he gave them. It changed their core. It made them a better person. Guys, when we are a potent church that looks at scripture, let it speak life to us and we let it change us and it brings life to our church. The word brings life for us as the church to do incredible things. We are a Bible-based church. I hope that you know the word, you are accepting the word, and you are doing the word. You are doing the word. Guys, we are doers. <laughs> All right? So don't just be fans of the scripture. Don't just say, wow, that was good, and then close it and don't let it change you. Be disciples. 
be disciples. We are called to go and be change change makers. So, anyways, I'm gonna stop rambling on. I know I talked way too long today, but uh, anyways, this is such a powerful scripture. Uh, you guys have uh, sat through a whole lot today. I hope you pick up this Bible as a tool. Ask for God to speak new life into it and see how it changes you. When it changes you, it's going to change the situations that you're in. You can only be doers of the word if you know what the word is. So, amen? Pick up a Bible, speak it to life, and watch what God does. All right, I hope you have a good rest of your week and God blesses you. Go in peace. So then